welcome to the Dementia Well FNQ and our series on everything dementia. My name is Neela and today we will be talking about the brain changes and touch. I'll be looking at the parts of brain that are involved with touch, how touch affects our person living with dementia and how comfort measures are important to consider in the reduction of stress. One of our very basic instincts is contact with others. As humans, we can be fed and watered, but without touch, we fail to thrive. I also believe people with dementia are always in need of more touch. This can be so healing and restorative to relationships. Be careful and let your loved one guide what kind of touch is comfortable for them. Even before they are diagnosed, a person will tend to start isolating themselves as they know something is wrong they will start to limit the amount of time they put themselves in positions where they might fail. It is very typical that a person will hand over the jobs of shopping and cooking and finances to a partner as they can no longer remember how to do it. They don't visit their friends as they can't remember their names or some of the stories that they tell. So by distancing themselves from people, they rob themselves of touch. Now, we feel touch through our skin. It can be light, medium, heavy or painful and the receptors in our skin pick up signals and send them through the spinal cord to the frontal lobe and parietal lobes of our brain. These two areas combine to support the connections between our body and our brain for sensations and movement. There is a lot of wiring there. Some of that goes directly to an area and others Uh, go to places where they cross over to connect both sides of our body. There are also strong links to other parts of the brain, like our vision. But we're not just talking about wiring being a problem. Touch and comfort can involve many parts of the brain at the same time. Like if you have an itch, you might look at that itch involving your eyesight and you're checking out to see if it's a rash or an insect crawling on you. What you see, along with the feeling of the itch, now combine so you are able to engage another part of your brain that will then move your arm to reach over and scratch that itch. When wiring goes on the fritz, if you like, the messages can get mixed up or don't get through at all. So a person living with dementia who is suffering pain may not be able to tell you that they're in pain and if you ask... Again, they won't be able to tell you, so you think they're fine. But they may act out in a strange way, which will indicate that they are in pain. We'll talk more about pain in a later episode, because it's quite important. So, with light touch, this can feel a bit like insects or cockroaches crawling on the skin to the person living with dementia. So, when we do have to touch somebody, it is best to have a firm, but not too strong, touch to alert them that you are there. Actually, the reason that I started in episode 9 with vision and then in episode 10 with language is because we find we can get much more relaxed and therefore productive responses if we get their attention visually first before we speak and speak before we touch. And really we should be getting permission to touch where we can. If we go straight to touch, we can scare the person who is not being aware of us even being near them. This could cause them to go into a fight or flight mode that will now make it more difficult to regain their trust 
and they may remain in the stress response for a long while. When we approach someone, we really do need to approach them from the front, getting their eye contact, and then we can speak to them, introducing ourselves, using those visual clues when engaging with them. When we need to get permission then to come into their personal space, and that is if they're engaging back with us, they're sort of giving that permission to step forward. Then, and only then, should we be approaching them to touch. We must touch in safe zones, which coincidentally are often over joints, and joints are the best place for, as a firm touch on the shoulder or elbow will feel comforting, making them feel more secure and supported. If we grab them by the arm, this can have your fingers over very tender spots, and that can either easily bruise or can cause the person to be in pain and that they're not able to express, and this can lead to more stress and possible resistive behaviours. I have spoken about comfort, and we need to feel comfortable, and this can include, well, just about anything that we do. For example, the temperature. Being able to tell if you are hot and cold can be a problem for a person living with dementia, so checking their skin to see if it feels hot or cold, or look to see if they're shivering or sweating. We can then adjust the room temperature, or their clothing, or if they're in bed, blankets to suit whether they're hot or cold. Surfaces can be too glary, creating shadows, so lighting is, becomes very important, especially at night. If we keep everything well lit, we can avoid a lot of confusion. Creating activities that are tactile can be very comforting. Fiddle blankets, soft cushions, pets. If you do have a family pet, often if the person that you're looking after is living in a nursing home, getting permission to bring that pet in with you so that your, your person can then connect with that pet. But pets have to be ones that like to be patted. So if they're not really liking to be played around with a lot, keep them away, because that can also cause lots of troubles. We need to include music. You know, music can make you happy, sad, you know, can bring on all sorts of emotions. So find out what kind of music your person really enjoys and have that playing in the background. It's, it really does make it much more comfortable. Loud noises or conflicting noises, even if it's music, can add to the person's confusion and, sorry, confusion and cause stress for both parties, you and them. I've often walked into a nursing home and the radio's blaring out, but so is the TV and they're both so loud that it's very uncomfortable. And sometimes the music choice is not the best for the generation that is sitting listening to it. It's fine for the carers, but they're in and out. They're not sitting listening to it all the time. Smells is another one. They can be confronting, comforting, or abrasive. I just love the smell of coffee and bread being made. And I know I'm not alone there because the real estate agents often tell you to have those happening while they have those open houses because they believe that it helps to sell a house. But some smells do the complete opposite, like some perfumes. They can be very strong and very offensive. We had a gentleman in one of the facilities I worked at that wouldn't let two care staff near him. And sometimes they, he did, though. Sometimes he didn't mind. And it took us ages to work out what it was. But we played detective 
and we ruled out that it wasn't their age, it wasn't their sex, it wasn't their race, it wasn't their height, it wasn't the manner that they used, it wasn't their accents. They treated him very respectfully and the way they approached him was correct. And it wasn't the tasks that they did, so we were coming up a blank. But we did find out that one of the carers was wearing this really strong perfume one day and the gentleman really did not like her near him. He, he became very verbally abusive and would not let her near him. We found out that the other carer that he had problems with also wore the exact same perfume. And the days when they were allowed in and he accepted them were the days that they actually weren't wearing that perfume. So we banned the perfume for him and we never had a problem again. Clothing, that's another thing. Too tight or sometimes if it's ill-fitting in any way. A person, some people don't like to wear wool, for instance, because it's too scratchy. Others will sweat too much in synthetic fabrics. So it's important to make sure that the clothes that the person is wearing well-fitting and are right for them. Looking at all forms of comfort is important. We have looked at some of the ways we can approach a person living with dementia and it is vital to how the exchange will go, getting their attention from the start before we move in becomes less threatening. Introducing yourself so they know who you are and they're not having to do any guesswork. Again, less stressful. Um, the need, if you needed them to do anything, use those visual clues. And certainly, sight first, then speaking before we touch. I talked about how firm but not strong touch over a joint like the shoulder or an elbow is not only comforting but it's a very safe zone. And how being comfortable in the environment with temperature, lighting, clothing is the easy way to add comfort to a day. I'd just like to add before I sign off is that any sort of touch, holding hands, giving a hand massage or a manicure, shoulder massage or, or my favourite brushing hair. I could sit for hours and let somebody play with my hair and brush it nice and gently. That also works for your person living with dementia or might. Some people don't like their hair being touched. So again, check before you do anything. But hand, foot massages, any form of touch will bring you closer and relax that person because it's touch that they're not getting a lot of while they isolate themselves. So I hope you found this useful and that you'll join me next time when I'll be speaking with Claire again and we'll be deep, deep diving into what Alzheimer's actually is and what's involved in that. So I hope you'll join me then, but for now. Mm -hmm.